This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo, as the Reds begin to heat things up in the transfer market. Luis Diaz, the £49 million man Liverpool aiming to complete a deal for ahead of the transfer deadline. We'll bring you the latest on the move, what obstacles are left to clear, and ultimately what it means for Jurgen Klopp and his squad moving forward. To do all that, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, a Blood Red debutant in Tom Cavilla, as well as the Brand Flakes boy, Matt Addison. And guys, I trust you're all well. And uh, well, Gorsty, it happened as soon as we woke up. I was there, turned the TV on, enjoying my uh, jam on toast this morning. And breaking news, Luis Diaz, Liverpool, £49 million. What's the latest yeah. on it? Well, I'm glad you've got to got to have your breakfast, Guy, because I still haven't. Um, been a bit of a crazy morning, to say the least. Um I mean, to, to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit, I got, got a message from someone in Columbia about five o'clock this morning. Um, someone who reached out to me earlier this month, introduced themselves, and we were just kind of talking about Luis Diaz. And, and at the time, which was a good, where are we now? The 28th of January. So it was probably about four weeks ago. Um, said, well, you know, the understanding our end is that Liverpool aren't looking at him this month. It's going to be a quiet month. They're not looking to do any business. Blah, 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 blah. And he's went away, fair enough. Um, came back to me about a week later and said, it looks like your information was right there. It's all gone a bit quiet on, on Luis Diaz and doesn't seem to be any interest. And that seemed to be the case. Um, but what's what, what forced Liverpool's hand here was um, Tottenham. Tottenham making a move, wasn't it, earlier this week? Um, so I, I got the message about five o'clock this morning and said, look, you might want to see what's happening. There's one or two rumblings over here that, there's movements and it's actually could be on. Um, so, you know, that's out of the morning and there's no one around to, to speak to. They're all tucked up in bed, you know, as you can imagine. Um, but you are waiting for a bit of a normal hour to pester people. And yeah, it was around about 7.30ish that it started to come out that Liverpool are, in fact, seriously in for Luis Diaz, £37 million offer with further £12 million add-ons. Um, Liverpool have sent a delegation out to Argentina to greet him when he arrives with Colombia because he's playing against Peru tonight for Colombia. And when he touches down in Argentina, Liverpool will be there to kind of hurry, hurry along a medical if they can. So it's a bit of a race against time at the moment. But there's also obviously interest from Tottenham that has sped up this process. And Manchester United are quite keen as well. So um, Liverpool in pole position as it stands, but certainly not done and dusted at the moment. Bit of a race against time. And, and we'll see if they manage to get it over the line. But um, yeah, certainly someone who, who's who's been accelerated six months. Shall we say Liverpool were looking for a wide forward in the summer and have been keeping tracks on Rafinha and Jared Bowen. But um, Luis Diaz is, was the first choice for Jurgen Klopp apparently, um, and they've had to uh, to move that along six months. So yeah, we'll see. We uh, it's going to be an exciting couple of days. Yeah, lots of people in the chat box excited. We are live on YouTube and Facebook as we are recording today's Blood Red podcast. Lots of people excited. 24-year-old winger, goal-scoring profile as well that he has as well, Tom. Earlier in the week when I saw the, the links with Tottenham beginning to emerge, I was thinking that the Liverpool fan base won't take this one easily if he is to end up in the Premier League somewhere else. I suppose it shows the determination of the club to make sure he is going to be a Liverpool player. Yeah, I think um, just interesting point, just on Tottenham, we were just saying earlier, um, 
is that obviously a few years ago, I think when Liverpool were in for Willian, I think it was in 2013, you had Tottenham and Liverpool kind of going for him at the same time. And I think it was Spurs that actually sort of jumped ahead of Liverpool. Uh, obviously, they then got beat by Chelsea in the end. But, you know, it was sort of, it kind of shows, I guess, how things have changed in that sense that Liverpool are now seen as, you know, the top club to go to. And, you know, it's, it's if that is the case, it's not entirely surprising given Liverpool and Spurs' different positions. I think things are just a bit unstable at Spurs still at the moment. Um, obviously, got Conte in there. He's a good manager, but... I don't think there's any guarantees that they'll be playing Champions League football next season. I think it's it's quite open between them, Manchester United and Arsenal, really, all for that top four, the last spot. So, yeah, I think, you know, it'll be a massive statement of intent from Liverpool if they can, you know, if things go to plan and they get the deal done. And I think, yeah, it'll just be another really good signing for Liverpool. How much of a priority, Matt, has this been, Paul saying there before, it's obviously summer business maybe that's been pushed forward due to the advances of Tottenham Hotspur, but how much of a priority do you think bringing in a left-footed, uh, sorry, a left-sided, right-footed forward is, is for Liverpool? And as I'm being reminded in the chat box, he's just turned 25, two weeks into uh, into his 26th year. Yeah, it's it's the right kind of age, isn't it? I think it's it's the right kind of profile for for Liverpool to target. I think it it must have have been a huge priority really for them, obviously. The, the impact of, of Minamino and, and Origi. I'm sure Gorsty will, will touch on that a little bit later. I know he's been been writing about that the, this morning. But in terms of, of sort of what Liverpool do, we, we all know the situation in terms of the contracts. We all know the situation in terms of the age of Firmino, Mane and, and Salah. We know that, that Liverpool have to, to kind of look a little bit to the future, but at the same time, you know, get someone who's very much ready to, to come in now. And I think you only have to look at the statistics of, of what Luis Diaz has been doing this season, not just obviously in the league, but in the Champions League as well. He scored important goals against you know plenty of, of big teams. The, the one at Manchester City has been doing the rounds on, on Twitter this morning, the sort of drive from left to right and, and putting it into the bottom corner. I mean, you, you can see sort of exactly why Liverpool would be interested in a player like this very quickly. So, yeah, there's there, there's so many elements to it that I think just just work for Liverpool. And, you know, as, as Gorsty says, to, to bring this forward six months, I think is is just the, the latest example, really, of, you know, if if the right player is there at the right price, Liverpool will do that business. It's it's not a case of, of being reluctant just for, for the sake of it. They will they will do it if they are prepared to, to go out and spend this big money on the, the right player. They've obviously, you know, done a, a lot of, of research on Diaz. I think it's it's only really in the, the last year that he's kind of really exploded in terms of, of his goal scoring numbers, but they've obviously looked further back than that. They know that you know, this is is a pretty sure bet of, of being a, a good player long term for them. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's the big thing for me is you know the the fact that they've gone out and, and made this statement of intent and absolutely it is that uh, the kind of fee that we're being talking uh, about. I just think it's it's a reminder really of of why Liverpool are patient, why they go for certain players at certain times. They're prepared to do it for for him, and and to me that is pretty much all the evidence I need to to say that he could be an absolute top player. Yeah, 14 goals and 18 appearances in Portugal so far this season in the league goals. The obviously Marco Gruch was sent out alone to Porto, the club do have a bit of a link there. I'm sure they have been watching for a good amount of time, but it is one of those, isn't it, of that kind of profile, that, that goal scoring exploit that he's already shown that he's now got to that kind of age where Liverpool are happy that he's ready to make that step up and make their move. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you he's just turned 25 earlier this month so 
had a good age. Um, speaking to a couple of people this morning, um, Diogo Jota seems to be the name who keeps coming back to me. You know, a, a Jota type signing, a Jota type signing. That's how perhaps Liverpool insiders see him. Someone who's capable of coming in, doing a really good, dependable job um, in place of a Salah and or a Mane, but someone who can seriously put the heat on on the, the players who are already playing that front line to um, to become a starter. You know, I'd argue now that Jota is. Ahead of Roberto Firmino in the Liverpool pecking order and Liverpool see he has someone who can do the same. Um, somebody's versatile, can play across that front, can he? Um, scores goals, as, as we say. He was the joint top scorer, actually, wasn't he, in the Copa America alongside a certain Lionel Messi. Um, so when you're rubbing shoulders with the great Leo Messi, you know you must have something about you. Um, I'm a little bit, a little bit surprised that Liverpool are doing this deal now because I think me and Matt did an agenda podcast a couple of weeks ago and I kind of made the point that Liverpool at, at the time I think it's getting quoted around about 60 million euros and you're looking at that in, in January you think that's very unlike Liverpool isn't it Virgil van Dijk aside January is always a quiet month um, at a time when um, you know they were only missing Man and Salah for the two games so didn't really seem like it was a realistic one but <clears throat> even the best laid plans at a club like Liverpool sometimes have to be hurried along and, and that's certainly the case with Luis Diaz. I mean, I'm not sure <clears throat> whether or not they were given any indication as to whether or not he was prepared to sit tight and hold on until the summer before Liverpool can make their move. But Liverpool must have been <clears throat> quite concerned that you know they could have had a player snaffled from underneath the noses here. So that's why they have jumped forward by six months to bring him in because it's, he's coming at the end of January and you think of Liverpool were hell-bent on getting him in in January, then he would have done it at the beginning of the month when there would have been no Salah, no Mane for, for what what was it, four games or so, four or five games. So, yeah, um, a little bit surprised on that point, but it just shows you that, um, you know, if Liverpool are set on a player, then they will um, go to great lengths to make sure they get that deal over the line. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. How exciting, Tom, is it then for the remainder of the season for Liverpool, for, for what it means when you consider the four forward options Liverpool already have? Adding to that, the likes of Takumi Minamino and Divock Origi, we'll, we'll get on to them maybe in a bit as well. But adding Luis Diaz to that, the Champions League second half of the campaign still to go. Mm. Plenty of excitement about. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I think another point with that as well, although he's going to, you know, just give Liverpool another option, you know, if the deal does get done in attack. I think another point, I think John Aldridge sort of touched on it the other day in his column saying about um, Simicast's arrival and, you know, the impact he's had and it's pushed Andy Robertson, uh, improved his form, made him a better player this season, him coming in. So, you know, maybe even Diaz coming in could take, I mean, it's a bit difficult for Salah to, to go to further lengths, but maybe, you know, Mane, Firmino, it might just challenge that forward line even more to keep keep scoring goals and to keep improving. And I think, you know, like you said, you know, the form he's shown at Porto this season, you know, everything points to the fact that he could be a really, you know, useful acquisition for Liverpool and, you know, help Liverpool, you know, going for the Premier League. That's, you know, that's not over. And, you know, signing like that could maybe help Liverpool catch Man City. Um, you know, you never know. It could do. And then in the Champions League, Again, just having another player who's proven himself this season at that level, 
you know, there's there's every reason Liverpool could be one of those teams that's kind of in the latter stages of that competition, and you know they'll have hopes of going all the way in the Champions League. Is it fair to say, Matt, it, it reignites the season for Liverpool, a deal like this, the magnitude of it, the excitement, the fanfare it brings? Yeah, I'm not sure the season needed reigniting, to be honest with you. I think that the season is very much still alive. Obviously, Cup final, Champions League knockout stages, you know, nine points off Manchester City with a game in hand. I think it, it wasn't necessarily one that, you know, the, the fan base was down and, and people needed a lift. But of course, whenever that is an opportunity to, to do that, you, you can go and, and get that. And it can only be a good thing, can't it? I mean, th- there's so many angles to this that I think are, are really interesting. I think the, the knock-on impact of, of how he fits in, what the sort of long-term plan is, what does it mean, for example, for Diogo Jota? Does it mean that he's going to play through the middle more longer term with, with Diaz off the left? What does it mean for, for Sadio Mane? I mean, the, the, there's so many elements to, to his game that I think you can kind of see match up with what Liverpool already have in their attack. But also there's there's new elements as well. I think, you know, since Coutinho left, Liverpool haven't particularly had anyone consistently who's been able to score from outside the box, for example. But I think that's something that certainly Luis Diaz could bring to, to Liverpool. It's interesting as well that there's only one player in the Portuguese league that has scored more headed goals than him this season, which you think, obviously, with the, the Trent connection, the fact that Mane and, and Jota are brilliant with their head, Salah has scored you know plenty with his head as well that, across the, the course of, of his time at Anfield. I think there's... There's obviously elements that, that you could see him fitting in with Liverpool, but also adding new bits to it as well. So, yeah, a, a new skill set, a new player. It, it's not always the, the case that Liverpool go out and, and get these new players and refresh the squad and, and give everyone a lift. But I think when it does happen and, and when it happens with a, a statement signing like this as well, it's you know very similar to, to a Jota or Thiago in recent times. It's It just gives everyone a lift. I know what you mean. I don't think the season needed reigniting, but... Certainly, if Liverpool can add a, another name, another sort of big talent to their forward line, it's it's never going to be a bad thing. Maybe a gear shift then. Maybe not reigniting, but shifts it up a, a notch for Liverpool. Got plenty of people joining us and plenty of people commenting away. And, Gorsty, you mentioned before, obviously, when you spoke with Matt earlier in the window, the sort of €60 million Euro price tag that was put on Diaz's head. And one comment that's caught my attention from Ken Nolan says, Spurs negotiated the price down and we move in. And I suppose that kind of feeds into that opportunism of this deal from Liverpool to bring it forward and do it now. Not only that interest from Spurs and wanting to miss out, but we know Daniel Levy's a very smart negotiator himself. And I'm sure as soon as Julian Ward, and maybe you can talk about the the sort of role he's played in this deal behind the scenes as well, that as soon as Liverpool get a sniff, actually, that asking price is moving. They're ready to move themselves. Yeah, it's, it's probably um, probably been a big one for Julian Ward, hasn't it? Obviously, he's been involved in deals before, but um, very much out, out on his own on this one. Uh, I believe, kind of taking the steps up towards the, you know, the, the big job, the Michael Edwards job, which will be his in a few months. So he's been kind of encouraged to take the lead on it, and um, you know, by all accounts, is close to delivering. Um, I I thought when Liverpool sold Jadon Chikiri that they needed a forward option anyway. Um, I thought they needed one last summer. I certainly thought they needed one this month, and was kind of resigned. For them not to do anything and keep the powder dry until January. And, and if you were looking at it, you know, um, Tuesday morning when the, the transfer window was closed, if Lewis Diaz doesn't arrive, then you can't have too many complaints. They're still fighting on four fronts. They're certainly back in the title race, although it's a, you would consider them slightly outsiders. They're in the Carabao Cup final. They've got a manageable FA Cup tie with Cardiff to come. And once the Champions League resumes, you'd fancy them 
against anyone over two legs. So you couldn't really have too many complaints beyond the fact that you just want to see a new player arrive. Had no one come in in January, but the fact that Luis Diaz does um, just kind of bolsters the uh, the options, doesn't it, for a fight on on all fronts. Um, be interesting to see how quickly he adapts, uh, whether he hits the ground running or whether he takes some time, because typically the players tend to take a little bit longer than than they might elsewhere, don't they? When, when you come into Liverpool, you look at Fabinho and Andy Robertson and Ibrahim Akanate isn't a regular starter, even though he's settled really well. So it does take some time. But I think with attacking players, it probably takes less time at times because the players who play on instinct, uh, as opposed to um, being involved in systems and tactical instructions and you know doing certain things, front players pretty much have, have one one option, don't they? Or one instruction go and cause damage to the opposition. So hopefully we're not still looking at him in May thinking, no, oh, he hasn't, hasn't really kicked on here and we'll have to see what he's like next next season before he properly gets going. But um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but as I say, going back to the summer and, and January, it's a, 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 a position that was open in the squad and, and I'm glad that Liverpool have filled it and it's going to be exciting to see um, what he can do between now and May. Tom, how big a tick in the box of Julian Ward do you think it is? Obviously, he doesn't officially take on that sporting director title until the summer. But if we're saying this is a summer deal that was brought forward, he was already working on a deal for Luis Diaz. And it's happened even before Michael Edwards has moved on. It's kind of immediately maybe him on the transfer front outlining the way he wants to help mould Liverpool moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's a good start, isn't it, for him if he uh, pulls that off? Um yeah, he's obviously got big shoes to fill, I guess, in the case of uh, Michael Edwards and you know the impacts he's had in the transfer market for Liverpool in recent years. But you know, I think Liverpool have got, like, like you've sort of alluded to already, they've got like a clear identity of, of who they want to target, and you know, there's always a sort of profile that they, they seem to be going for with these signings. Um, so I'm sure he's, you know, he's going to be well aware of that already, having worked uh, with the club before, you know, stepping into this new role. So, you know, I think he'll he'll know better than anyone really just from being around the club what Liverpool are looking for. Um, and I think, you know, if Diaz is, you know, if it's a deal that gets done, you know, it's a perfect signing for Liverpool and they'll continue to target people like that with lots of potential, you know, still quite a young player, 25, you know, he's not yet at his peak probably. So, you know, Liverpool will just continue to target so that kind of age category it looks like in the future. Yeah, scored as many goals as Leo Messi at the Copper America, Matt, and not yet at his peak. I mean, that is mouth-watering stuff, isn't it? You know when Liverpool tend to put down money like this on a forward option and the player that it is, that how much work goes into it, it should effectively kind of be a finished product for Liverpool. And as you were you were talking before, you were kind of saying there are so many different assets to his game. I just wonder what it means for the evolution of that front three at Liverpool. We've seen Jota come in, hit the ground running, and obviously this season really make himself a linchpin of that attack, certainly during AFCON when Mane and Salah have been away. You just wonder now, is this the next step in that? Yeah, and, and you wonder as well, is the idea to play him off the left if they get him in? We've seen, you know, players playing in different positions. We've seen, you know, Sadio Mane start on one side and, and move to the other. It it does kind of open up a lot of, of opportunities, I think. And, you know, you mentioned that the Copper America there in terms of, of Colombia, obviously, being a, a key man for them. It's, it's another example, isn't it, of a player that is obviously 
kind of the the biggest figure within his national team. He's taken on that responsibility. Obviously, Colombia have a, a few other good players as as well, but it does kind of remind me a little bit in that sense of a kind of Salah for Egypt or Mane for Senegal and, and all of those kind of players having that responsibility, that leadership, the fact that you would imagine, not that I've watched too much of, of Colombia, if I'm being honest with you, but um, you would imagine that most of their attacks go through him. Most of, of, of their sort of uh, players is, is set up to, to get the best out of him. So again, it, it, it's another sort of element of, of the transfer sort of policy that Liverpool have that, that maybe they think about and, and other clubs don't. So I think there's there's so many bits to, to be excited about here. And, you know, as, as Tom says, it, it, it's not necessarily um, a player who's at his peak. He's not necessarily you know, finished. I think he's, I think it would be fair to say that, that the last couple of years have, have really taken him to a, a new level, maybe has, has been slightly a, a late bloomer across the, the course of his career. He you know, wasn't one of those players that, that's come through at 17, 18 and, and been at this level. So that does make you think that there's maybe another little bit to, to be unlocked with him. And I'm sure you know, that the opportunity to work with Jurgen Klopp and his coaching staff and other top players that you can learn from Mane and Jota and, and Salah. I think there's 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 still more to come from him, but obviously from what we've seen so far, it's it's hugely exciting. So, yeah, it, it's a big one. If it, if it goes through, I think it'll be a, a massive, massive deal for Liverpool. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Of course, in terms of, in terms of uh, Matt said it there, Tom said it, if... Um, this is very much a deal, I suppose, fairly in its infancy at the moment, albeit a lot of groundwork has already gone in. As you said, delegation is going out to South America. Bring us up to speed where exactly we are with the deal, the, the nitty-gritty of it, the fees being paid and kind of the, the next steps for Liverpool. Because I've seen in, in the chat a couple of times the name Nabil Fakir mentioned and people just asking, is it done? No, no, it's not done. Liverpool are sending in a, a delegation to Argentina to get his medical done. The problem is, is he's got two games for Colombia between now and, well, Tuesday. He plays against Peru this evening um, and Argentina on Tuesday. Um, so it's basically just a case of getting his medical done where, as and when they can. Um, and hopefully that does arrive before 11pm on Monday. But... Um, yeah, certainly a race against time. People I was speaking to today are not um, not suggesting that it's cut and dry and he's going to be a Liverpool player, you know, unequivocally. But uh, if, I, if I was a betting man, I would suggest that he will be in the door in time. But we shall uh, wait and see. It's going to be interesting. Um, hopefully, we don't have a um, a case of was it twenty thirteen? Was it when um, Ian Air went on a mad dash uh, around Ukraine for? Um, Connor Polyanka, yeah, that was him. Yevon Connor Polyanka, yeah. And we're having to learn how to spell that one. Um, and that one didn't get done, did it? And then Liverpool never came back for him, and that was the last you'd heard of him. And um, hopefully, we are talking about an incoming player on um, Tuesday morning, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, on that then, do you think if a deal wouldn't be able to get done before the deadline, that obviously negotiations would then just continue and it'd be wrapped up a, a bit, I suppose, like Ibrahima Kanate last summer, that ahead of the transfer window opening, actually Liverpool just have a deal done? The interest, if, if we're saying it was going to be one that was going to be looked at in the summer, the interest isn't going to go away, is it? No, no, especially when, you know, it's, it's been made clear that he, he actually is Jürgen's best choice for the summer. Um yeah, a bit, bit, bit like Van Dijk, obviously came back for him, didn't he? Knew, knew that 
he was the man he wanted and it came back for him and, and sorted him out. Hopefully he is within the ranks for what is it, last four months of the season, five months. Um and they're not having to um bring him in in, in July for pre season. That's the first time he, he set sets foot in the actual training centre. Hopefully he is uh, on board because um just think it it adds another big option, doesn't it, for Liverpool? I don't think they've got too much. I mean, Minamino for me, two years into his Liverpool career now, he, he hasn't cut it. Um, I think Liverpool saw a little bit of a uh, cut price release clause and thought they might have been able to do something with him and if not, they could make a profit on him. And, you know, the, the latter could could be the case here. Um, Origi's into the final few months of his contract. For me, as a long-term option, he's, he's someone who sometimes flatters to deceive as well, despite his kind of litany of big moments in between what has been a fairly sporadic Liverpool career over the years. So um, there's no doubt they need someone to supplement the four who are already there and who can already significantly contribute over the long term. And um, Lewis Diaz could be that player. Yeah, no, definitely. be interesting now to see what does happen with the, the rest of the forward options. Tom, kind of throw it over to you and I suppose on to Kumi Minamino. We saw him last winter make a deadline day loan move to, to Southampton as well. Would you feel that looking at it now, that the, the maths of it, that one of kind of Minamino or Origi, it is time for them to move on? Yeah, I think um, particularly with Minamino, I think it's just been a bit of a, I suppose, underwhelming impact he's had at Liverpool. Um, obviously was part of that Salzburg team that was, you know, everyone was talking about a couple of years ago and, you know, Haaland's the other one that all got picked up and uh, uh, Huang as well, obviously, in that side and Liverpool have ended up with Minamino out of that, out of that team. Um, and I suppose you could say he's probably the one that's gone on to to do the least out of those three. Um, I just think he he just hasn't looked quite at it when he's been playing for Liverpool. There's been... You know, there's been moments where he's looked bright. His positioning's been good in attack, and um, you know, in the cup games, he's you know he's been a bit of a threat going forwards for Liverpool. But I just don't see him being someone that's going to really, you know, help Liverpool continue to fight for trophies at the top level. And I'm just not quite sure. You know, Liverpool's the right place. I mean, it's, it didn't really happen for him at Southampton either. He had a good start. I think he got goal on his debut or a couple of goals in his first two or three games but sort of from there you know nothing really happened past that so yeah and and, and as for Origi I think um, he's another one that again is probably approaching the end of his time at the club people will probably be a bit more you know resentful to see Origi Lee just because of the impact he's had at Liverpool but you know delivering big moments like Paul said but again when he was when he had the chances to sort of prove himself last season in the Premier League he had a few starts it didn't happen for him either so yeah I think mainly Minamino it would be one you know you would try and move on permanently if you can I don't think at this point it's really worth Liverpool sending him on loan again so you know I think they'd be looking to to move him on permanently and then as for Origi obviously contracts coming out at the end of the summer but Liverpool have the option to extend it if it meets appearances so yeah, I think, again, with him, they'd be looking to try and cash in on him if they can too. 
Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but what, nearly five years on from Mohamed Salah's arrival at Liverpool, it's the first real, I suppose, well, it's Diogo Jota coming in as well, elite forward to come straight in to have a, an immediate impact. And I suppose there is that excitement around the fact that it is that, we mentioned there, Origi, Minamino, Shakiri obviously also brought in during that time. And, and Jota very much at the time he came in, perhaps seen as an understudy to then graduate into that kind of position. But it does it does kind of show the intent now from Liverpool to go and attack the market like this. And you wonder now, ahead of the summer, whether its attention can now be be switched solely maybe to the midfield to, to see what can be dug up in that position. Yeah, you'd like to, to think that that's the plan, wouldn't you? You'd like to think that this is kind of uh, an addition to, to replace one of, of Minamino or Origi and just sort of elevate that that part of, of the team really to a level that we haven't really seen under Jurgen Klopp. I know obviously you know, the, the front three and, and Jota, obviously Jota has, has come in, the, the front three are kind of getting older and you've got one eye on the future. But I think this would be very much one for, for now as well. Obviously, if you've got that extra player in attack, you, you only have to look at, at Chelsea and Manchester City and the other teams around Europe that, that Liverpool are competing with and, and are at a similar level too, but maybe have, have kind of overachieved in terms of that sense. I think if you've got that extra player in there, the, the, the fifth attacker, which is, is what most people kind of wanted to, to see happen in the summer, I just think that that takes the, the attack to, to another level in, in that sense in that you know, obviously you've got another player to turn to from the bench, but it, it's also a case of you don't have to play Sadio Mane every week. You don't have to play Diogo Jota every week. You can kind of, of keep them a little bit fresher. You can stave off injuries. I think that's obviously important. We've seen Roberto Firmino get a couple of injuries this season. I suppose if if you've got an extra player that you really trust, and, and that's the, the key word really in terms of, of Origi and Minamino, obviously they are there, but they haven't really been given the opportunities. We've seen, you know, Cade Gordon's played ahead of Minamino at times. There's, there's not really been that trust. If you've got that, you know, extra option, the extra bit of quality that you can put into that mix, it, it just gives you the opportunity to make more changes, to give people more rest, to keep people fresher, to, to stave off those injuries across the, the course of a season. So, yeah, it, it would be a massive deal in that regard. I think it's very much, you know, a, a short-term impact, but also a, a long-term succession planning sort of thing as as well. It, it, takes, it takes every box and, and that's why Liverpool are, are obviously so keen. Yeah, definitely. Gorsley, to, to end then, I'll ask you kind of a, a double question. First part of it, <clears throat> based around contracts, we, we wouldn't be the Blood Bread podcast if we didn't touch on Mohamed Salah and that contract. But Sadio yeah. Mane and Roberto Firmino in very similar positions. What do you think this deal might signify for that then? Is this the beginning of the regeneration of that kind of attacking line. And uh, another question, just in terms of transfer dealings for Liverpool, Fabio Carvalho, of course, at Fulham has been linked as well through the course of the window. Do you think we're likely to see any other movement ahead of Monday or is it just all in now on, on Diaz, do you feel? Well, you hesitate to say to say no now because, you know, <laughs> 10 days ago, a week ago, Liverpool was still kind of just looking at Diaz as someone who do move moving forward in the summer and, Things change, don't they? Quickly in football, we've seen that. We've seen that as recently as last year at Liverpool when they were going on the mad dash around Europe looking for the centre back. We looked at Ozaka back. We looked at Coletta Carr at Marseille and one or two others. Um, so I'd be reluctant to say no at this point. Um, I mean, Fabio Carvalho is a bit of an interesting one because he's got no agents at the moment. He's only nineteen. He's been advised by his, his parents and his his family at the moment. But there's been reports for a couple of months that George Mendes 
the um, super agent, if you like, the Portuguese super agent. He wants him a guest of Fute at that agency. And Liverpool have got a good relationship with them because they've done loads of work with them previous with Jota and Fabinho. So maybe if he goes there, that's something that could probably lean into Liverpool's favour. Um, on the other side of that is the fact that Dortmund are after them, one of the many teams looking at him. And Dortmund have got previous of taking young lads from England and turning them into stars, haven't they? You know, Jude Bellingham and Jaden Sancho, and that seems to be a little bit of a trend in Germany anyway. So, um, yeah, Liverpool are continuing to look at Fabio Carvalho. His contract's up, isn't it? So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, so I'm reluctant to say no, definitely on, on that one, Guy, but only your first point about the contracts. Um... I mean, we spoke about this loads, and we it's really is a an interesting one. Um, it's I, I, if I was Liverpool, I'd be making that priority number one when Salah touches back down on John Lennon Airport or whatever it is. Um, pick him up and try and get this contract situation resolved because uh, he can still play for another four or five years at that level. I'm convinced the way he looks after himself and the way football trends are changing now, anyway. So, um I'm sure Jürgen Klopp would want that to be at Liverpool rather than anywhere else. So we shall see. But with Firmino, Mane, it's a little bit less clear what happens with them. Um, if you were to put a gun to me, I'd, I'd suggest that maybe it'll be Firmino who kind of dwindles the time on his deal. But um, we shall Could see. Could you see a situation where one goes this summer and one sees it? We, I mean, we've seen contracts run down. Sturridge, Lallana, Wijnaldum. Yeah. Exactly. What one maybe they, they they try and get some money back on in the summer, perhaps, and and one's contract runs out. That being purely speculation out of my mouth, but we will have to wait and see how it does play out. That's all from us then for this edition of the Blood Red Podcast. I'm just wondering how many flights are going to be getting tracked right now. The the Liverpool delegation out to to Argentina, Luis Diaz whenever he's coming, Mohamed Salah when he comes back as well. We'll have to keep across it all. Do remember, of course, every bit of news available for you on the Liverpool Echo website. But from myself, Guy Clark, Matt Addison, Tom Camilla and Paul Gorse, thanks for your time and your company. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.